Hey everyone, uh, Rev Chris here, and here we are, season three. I'm with my lovely friend and guest, David Ingle from Burning Heart. It's great to be with you again. Uh, hello to everyone listening on the podcast, and for those who are watching on YouTube, welcome. Um, we kind of wondered what book to do next, and we ummed and ahed, and we asked a few people, and uh, did we put a poll out on Instagram? I can't I think you did. I think yeah. I did. Um, and acts just seem to make sense. It's a narrative. It carries on nicely from the gospel. Um, and it's it's just a great story. And so, um, well, we thought we'd do acts. So that's what we're going to do. And um, so this is season three. Come read with me. The only, the, the only thing about it is that it's volume two. And Luke is one of the, one of the two gospels we haven't done. But um, oh, hi, of course, um, of but course. it does. It follows on beautifully from the other Gospels as well. Um, so as we begin, uh, let me pray and then we'll get in. Lord Jesus, thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the, the word uh, that we read in it. Thank you, Lord, that it's revelation from your spirit. And um, Lord, we can we can learn all that we need um, for salvation and for growth and for wisdom. And Lord, as we as we read together this book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, Lord, I pray that you would uh, set a fire in us and those listening to mm. to go back and to remember the history and the wonder, but also to be empowered and awakened for um, the call which is still ours today, Lord. In the sense, we're still in this book, and um, so bless us and help us to uh, understand and um, use us for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, yeah, David, as we, you mentioned just a moment ago about it being second of Luke, let's, before we like read, let's mm. introduce it. So, um, so, you know, obviously Luke uh, was a gospel writer um, and he wrote the book of Luke. We've done <laughs> John and Mark. We didn't do Luke, sorry, Luke, um, but we're going to do Acts. And Luke wrote this in a sense um, for Theophilus. Hmm. Um, and um, Theophilus. Although I'll stop you there because we don't know who Theophilus was. We know that he was Luke's patron. Well, th there are some scholars who think that it, it, he might be, he might just be you, the reader, because it means lover of God. Right. So you could, you can either see it as a, as a name or the, the one who loves God. Uh -huh. So, so he could be, he could be writing Theophilus, his patron. It's a good name for a patron. Yeah. And, and for all of you out there who are, patron supporters it's basically what you're doing is allowing us to do these things by basically that a patron does is like help you get the equipment and pays you to write it and then that's what luke was doing and that's for those who support us thank you that's basically what you're doing we're doing this because we have that support and um, but because we don't actually know who who theophilus was mm. a lot of people think oh well it, it might actually just be that the word itself means that the one mm. who loves god so hey reader if yeah. you love god this this is a you know, this is part two. How do you, what, what's your part? That doesn't sit well with me. <laughs> I don't think, I don't feel that at all. I, I think it's definitely, well, for me, I've always read it as it's a, it's an early Christian or really a, a guy who's like wanting to know more and was mm. like, who can I get to do this? Oh, I know this guy, Luke. He's a mm. doctor. He was one of the apostles. He's a witness. He's not one of the apostles. I mean, he was one of the, he's, well, he was a disciple of, 
Yeah, so he's he's a, he, he was a, well, well, kind of, he, he's a friend. He was a friend of Paul's, yeah. and he travelled with Paul. So, yes. and there's there's a moment in I think it's Acts chapter sixteen, yeah, where he switches from talking about them, yeah, to talking about we, yes. Um, so you're like, oh, he's he's there. So he wasn't Paul. necessarily, although we don't know for sure, but he wasn't necessarily an eyewitness with Jesus, but he may have. He may have he been, may have in, been... The, in the early gatherings of, I'm sure he was in part of the early gatherings of those Christians. I mean, we... But he wasn't named as one of the direct apostles, which is actually named here. Yeah, I mean, he he's, um, do you know, I, I've, always, I've always thought that he probably wasn't someone who witnessed Jesus' ministry himself mm. because of the, the opening verses of Acts. He talks about kind of diligently gathering all the material. Yeah. Um, and that suggests that he's not just, recalling what he himself saw mm. he, he's going around he's talking to the eyewitnesses um and he's he, recording like yeah. a great historian or in a sense a barrister of the time yes, exactly. a he's recording gathering. all the evidence to present to theophilus and mm. then and the he would have used the other accounts the other gospels as well to help piece yes things together. so we know he used well we we are fairly confident he used mark's gospel mm. so there is what they call a sort of literary relationship between mm. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Mm. And most people think that Matthew and Luke had Mark in front of them when they were writing. Yep. Uh, it's possible it could have been different, but they're, but they're mm. definitely one or other of them knew the mm. others. Mm. So, so what I love about Acts as we just begin is like, obviously the Gospels are all about Jesus. Mm. They're all about who he was, what he said, what he did and the miracles he performed. And then Acts is like this baton passing mm. from you going from the narrative and the story in the life of Jesus to the birth of his, his mission in the sense in the church and then the spread of the church and the early um, Christians who who uh, went out and spoke and preached and, and move in power and, and, and the movement of the church, um, you know, and how, how it began. So it's like the roots of the church. Hmm. I mean, and, and I mean, it's usually known as Acts of the Apostles. Yeah, because it was their um, actions. Yes. Um, but but it's interesting, though, because you can sort of push back against that in, in some ways, or not push back against it, but to say there's an obvious link. You know, Luke has written these as, a, as two parts. Mm. And um, a, a few years back, I read John Stott's uh, commentary on, on Acts. And uh, John Stott, he's one of my heroes, a yeah. wonderful man of God. And he highlights... Um, the, the the opening verse is, is in, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do mm. and to teach. And he says that, that the point that Luke is making in Acts is that Jesus had only just begun. Mm. And, and unlike all the other religions, we don't, we don't follow a dead leader. Yeah. You know, if, if you're a Muslim, you revere Muhammad, but he died mm. 1400 years ago. Mm. But, but Jesus is alive today. Mm. Jesus mm. is alive in heaven. Mm. This starts with the promise and then the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and actually what we're reading about in, in Acts, I mean, other people have suggested it should be called Acts of the Holy Spirit. Right. It is, is, is if you like, not the early church doing it on their own that mm. the, the baton has been passed but it's not just been passed and jesus sort of waving into the distance saying good luck guys yeah. I, hope, I hope you do it well mm. it, it's the sort of ongoing work of god and, yeah. and the sort of the core and key character is still mm. god father yeah. son and holy spirit it's so I, jesus's I love his mission it's still exactly. jesus's mission yeah. but just you're the coming of the spirit the empowerment of the mm. holy spirit 
is Jesus's mission alive today in his believers? Mm. And that's what we read about how it, it the, the kind of commission went on from, you know, the father sending the son and then the son empowering the followers and mm. sending them. And that is what acts is the sending out and the establishment of the church. And I mean, it's really vital that the rest of the New Testament wouldn't make any sense without Acts, if you think about it. All of Paul's letters, mm. if, if you didn't have Acts, you'd be like, who's this guy, Paul? Right. Um, right. You know, um, mm. the book of James, which is written by Jesus' brother, but he doesn't appear much in, in the gospels. And when he does, mm. you, you know, you, you, not very prominently, but then suddenly he writes a, he, he writes a, a letter but we really know about him from Acts because he's mentioned as the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And mm. and then even when you get to sort of um, Revelation and you read about the seven churches in Revelation, you'd be like, oh, how did how did they hear about Jesus? Mm. Like with, without Acts, not much of the rest of the New Testament would would make sense. So it's quite a kind of key hinge and pivotal book. Yeah, it's wonderful. And um, I've always loved reading it um, and living it, hopefully. So yeah, uh, I suppose that's that's the thing that yeah. we need to say to ourselves and anyone listening. It, it's not just a story; it, mm. it's a book which we're meant to to read, and it's one of the most easily applied books in the mm. New Testament because it it sort of mm. is a template, sometimes negatively, but often and mainly positively for you know how how do we live out mm. Jesus mm. Um, as as his post resurrection, post Pentecost followers, and Acts shows us. Let's do it. Let's yes. get into it, guys. Acts chapter 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you going to at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father is set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and in a cloud hid him before, from their sight. They were looking up intently into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Let's just pause there. I mean, honestly, I love this is where you maybe maybe you've been a Christian a long time, right? And you've you've heard this story and you've read it a thousand times. I just want to pause for a moment because these opening, I just think you can skip over this so easily. Mm. This bit where he says, uh, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of forty days and spoke about the kingdom. Just pause. This is in, this blows my mind that for 40 days, Jesus was continually appearing and speaking about the kingdom. Mm. Can you imagine what that would have been like? Like, so like, this is not lightly said. 
uh, it's not like one off or one eyewitness mm. or someone here, the whisper of a story, like maybe he was raised for 40 days. He was consistently appearing like I'm really alive, like coming into rooms that were locked, meeting people on the road, speaking to the women and other stories we probably don't have recorded for 40 days. He's sitting with them and he's resurrected. Can you imagine that? The resurrected Christ just coming into a room and talking to you about heaven and preparing you and speaking to you about the things of heaven and what is to come. And then saying you are going to you stay because the spirit is going to be poured out on you soon. It's amazing. It is amazing. It's and amazing. Well, we know that not all of them are recorded because there's um, yeah. one moment in um, one of Paul's letters when he talks mm. about Jesus appearing to 500 people at, at one once. time. Um, I mean, and I, I find one of the most compelling uh, pieces of evidence for the resurrection, the mm. fact that all of them, mm. all of them remain convinced. Yeah. Like, you, you know. And they um, would have been, you know, Tortured, persecuted, humiliated, and yeah. no one went. Yeah, it was a lie. Yeah, L- no, no one. one, no one. All of them went to death, going, "Yeah, I saw him," and it's absolutely true. And and I mean, I mean, human nature being what it is, you'd almost imagine that one of them would have said it was a lie, even yeah. if it wasn't a lie. Yeah, you'd be like, yeah. Do you know, I'd yeah. really much rather not die. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll pretend it didn't happen, yeah. but. But it, that just doesn't happen. And, and they were just convinced. Yeah, and completely it's just, convinced. And just as it opens, yeah, he just appeared to them 40 days, over a period of 40 mm. days. And it's like, wow. I just think on that. Mm. Just like he's been crucified and then he's died. And then you're a gatherer, you're a like, early disciple. And then he just keeps appearing. And you're having conversations with someone who you know <laughs> is not just a human being, mm. but you know is God and is the Messiah and he's coming and he's chatting and you're like, this is incredible. And you know, what they do is what you'd expect them to do. They just pray mm-hmm. and worship the well, whole time. Well, you, you say that because I think in some ways it's not what I'd expect them to do. Oh yeah? Um, and and I, one of the things that I always find intriguing about the book of Acts is that it starts in chapter one, not chapter two. Right. So if you're, if you're doing sort of two volumes and the first volume is about Jesus and the second mm-hmm. volume is about, the continuing acts of Jesus by his Holy Spirit mm. in the church, I would expect acts to begin with the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, chapter mm. two, mm. particularly since um, the book of Luke finishes with the ascension. So yeah. there's this like so there's overlap. overlap. Yeah. And and it's almost like Luke wants to sort of emphasize mm. that, that this is still all about Jesus, what we, we yeah. were talking about. We, we want to keep you focused on, on Jesus. And I think also keep, Keep us focused on the, on the Holy Spirit, mm. and and in the Book of Acts, it's like the 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 sort of focus of of what he kind of zooms in on on what Jesus is teaching them in that forty day period is wait mm. until the Holy Spirit comes, and so there's there's forty days with Jesus, and then Pentecost is fifty days after mm. Easter Sunday, so there's sort of ten days when when all they're doing is praying mm. now. I I'm impatient. Maybe you're not, but oh, but I think you know Jesus has risen from the dead. Come on, guys, we've we've spent three years being trained. Let's go do it. Yeah. Um. And and he says no. Wait. Mm. And and they do what he says. Mm. I mean, you you should do what Jesus says. This is usually a good idea. Mm. But but they wait for for ten days. Mm. And never can there have been a group of people who've been so well trained, mm. so well equipped, mm. so convinced of the truth of the gospel. But mm. but Jesus says. Don't do anything until you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm. And I think that for me, it just, it brings me back to the importance that everything we do in the Christian life needs to be rooted in being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we, what comes to this, but we too can be filled with this Holy Spirit. I hope 
if, if you're listening, I, I hope you are. And, and if not, just pray, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Mm. And, um, uh, and and we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, or go to a church, ask somebody else to pray for you. But 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 the Christian life is meant to be reliant on God. Mm. And suddenly that makes, you know, they then pray. They don't plan. They don't strategize. They don't say, how are we going to take the gospel to Jerusalem? Mm. You know, and, and mm. I mean, I, I just, I think in so many ways, the activist in me would have done this very differently, but they, they're told to wait. And mm. so they wait and they pray, and then it's all about being filled with the Spirit. Yeah, and I mean, they 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 are, in a sense, you know, Israel, the people of Israel are always called to be uh, a light, right, mm. to the nations. Um, and these guys are, are, in a way, the church is now empowered to be that, that light that witness to god yeah. like that is the the main aim of the because they're like when are you going to restore israel and he's like he's kind of like it's not about restoring israel it's about taking what the purpose of israel was which mm. was to be a light and to tell and teach people and show them the way of god that's what you're doing and um and so they're still not getting it a little bit because they're like oh restore Israel, and he's like in a way, maybe he's kind of saying like, "No, you're you're the new Israel now. You are you're the ones who are witnessing for me. Go and witness." Um, and he, he uses that word and um, to you, you know, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, mm. Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then he's taken up in their sight, and you know, again, amazing. It's about what a mile, half a mile outside of Jerusalem, and mm. and you know, imagine that walk back. <laughs> I mean like you like, just whoa! he's like look you're going to receive power and they're like what does that look like you know they would have mm. known the stories of Elijah they would have known the stories from Daniel you know walking in the fire they would have known these amazing mirac- and they, well they've seen Jesus yeah and they've and seen they've done miracles themselves actually yeah, haven't and, they and, and now they're like wait this is going to be come upon us mm. and they've just seen him taken up to heaven um it's interesting and what they do is they they go to what I find interesting as well is well if we carry on um, it says then they return to Jerusalem from the hill called Mount of Olives a Sabbath day walk from the city when they arrived they went upstairs to the room where they were staying so just to say that they didn't go straight to the temple they went back mm. to the upper room yeah I never thought of that before. and um, they weren't like so like buoyed up they're like bang so they went to the upper room where you know it's it doesn't say but potentially or likely maybe you might argue it's the mm. same place where they had the last supper and they and they were they you know Jesus met with, and it's there that they go um, anyway I just find it interesting mm. um, Let's carry on. So they, when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present, and here we have the names of the, the disciples. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. Um, interesting to note, there's 11. Yeah. Not 12. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women. Uh, and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brother. So, you know, straight away, just to note, women are, are yeah. they're, well, they're not named by name necessarily, although the Mary is. Women are there worshipping with them, praying with them. Um, in those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. Now, I know I'm, I'm doing things that I don't usually do. I'm, I'm just going through it bit by bit rather than reading chunks, but... 
They wouldn't have been in the upper room probably here, 120. They may have now moved well, to no, the gathering. There's 120 at the start of Pentecost, isn't there? Yeah, but this isn't in that room. What I mean oh, is okay. they probably moved either outside the upper room or now they're in the garden, you know, the temple area. Or they're in the room where Pentecost happens. In the room where Pentecost happened, there was 120 in that room, was there? Well, so I can't imagine a small little Jerusalem room holding well, 120 well, sk- people. Skipping, in an skipping upper forward, room. it says when the day of Pentecost came, yeah. they were all together in one place. Yeah, and it talks about the house they were sitting in. Yeah, but so, all together. Do you think that was 100, or does that mean the disciples and Mary and thingy, and Mary and Neil? yeah, I think I think it's 120. I think they're oh, all there. Wow. Okay, well, Jerusalem architects. I just can't. Im- I mean, maybe it's snobby. I mean, they me. might just be squished. But could a walk, could a, anyway, household? Oh, well, I, I, I think it could have done because I think, um, I mean, I, I, funny enough, I don't know much about Jerusalem houses, but yeah. um, You've been. Sort of Roman Roman houses, mm. you know, could be quite large. Yeah. Um, and you, you had large households. 120 um, though. Could this room, I mean, we're in quite a big room. 120 uh, yeah. in this room. N- no. So imagine it. Yeah, yeah but, but, but I suppose what I'm saying yeah. is, is, is you know we know that there were quite rich people in that group. You've got yeah. Joseph of Arimathea, mm. um, who lent Jesus' tomb. Yeah. Um, you've got Nicodemus. So I do, you know, funny enough, I've never really thought about it that hard, despite the fact that I've been um, so I've been to Jerusalem yeah. um, on a on a sort of tour of pilgrimage. Call it what you will. And um, I had a one of my tutors at theological college where I trained to be a vicar was a sort of an expert and wrote a book on the kind mm. of going around um, mm. sort of pilgrimage places and one of the places that has really early attestation mm. and that we can be pretty confident is the right place is the place where pentecost happened oh nice um ironically n- nobody pays any attention to that because um people remember it as the place where the last supper happens um but um i think most scholars think not the place where the last supper happened but is the place where Pentecost happened, yeah, which is sort enough. of ironic. And I've and I've been I've been there, and obviously what's there now is not what was there then. Yeah. But I I'd never thought it's a really good point. Like it's quite a lot of people in one, one place. Sorry, <laughs> maybe I'm getting stuck on weird details. But anyway, in those days, Peter stood among the believers, a group numbering 120, and said, "Brothers, the scripture has been fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of." Our number and shared in his ministry with the reward he got for his wickedness Judas bought a field there he fell headlong his body burst open and all his intestines spilled out everyone in Jerusalem heard about this so they called that field in their language Akeldama that is the field of blood for said Peter it is written in the book of Psalms may his place be deserted let there be no one to dwell in it and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken from up from us. For one of these must be a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the eleven apostles. Now, going back, uh, a little bit of a 
grotesque story. Obviously, we know Judas um, betrays Jesus. And uh, I think Matthew records him as hanging himself. And there's there's a bit of complexity in this because uh, Matthew records him as hanging himself and also returning the money. He refuses the money. And the Pharisees buy the field. Now, here it says... Um, with the reward he got for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. Now, what apparently I've heard the the Greek of bought is acquired, more like acquired. Mm. So the idea is like, in a sense, Judas's thirty pieces of silver, uh, whether he bought it directly, it was his money, and it was bought with his money. So it's in it's his field. So so like the Pharisees when they he refuses the money. Because I, you know, give that. Mm. There you go. This is blood money, and they bought a field. Now it happened to be the field that he hung himself, and the way that the body burst open. The idea is, I think, that uh, he hung himself, and then his body decayed. No one took him down for a while, and then the branch in which he was mm. hanging on broke, and his body burst, which is pretty gross. That is the concept, and then all of Jerusalem heard about that. And then that field is somewhere in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Never been. I don't know if there's a field. I, I was thinking like... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not aware of it. Um, yeah, I, I was aware that there were that, that there were sort of questions and discussions mm. around this, but I, mm. I haven't read up on it recently. I wouldn't so really worry too I'll, much. I'll, I'll have to trust, trust that... Every, I'm, I'm sure what you've said is right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, in case you were reading it and you were like, wait, did he burst his guts for I thought he gave it... That's what I think the narrative goes, which actually all fits in together. Um, interestingly I mean, enough, they obviously then, they they take these, Peter naturally, he stands up and in a sense takes this leadership position straight mm-hmm. away. Um, people seem to be fine with that. Um, I, I find it interesting the fact that beginning from John's baptism, so right the way back when they went out to see John and, and Jesus appears in that moment and i think that is when john the gospel writer sees jesus for the first time his brother andrew and they follow Mm. jesus um and so right back then he's saying the group of us who have gathered almost as early as that yeah that will choose from there and this is the first time i think we hear of this guy bar sabas and matthias i mean it's interesting i um i preached recently in our our church on um uh the the calling of the 12th um uh, from Luke's gospel, and and it it really blew me away because I realised I'd misunderstood it, mm. um, and um, I'd always assumed that Jesus went round going, "Oh, um, you you come and follow me, you come and follow yeah. me," because there's sort of various quite famous stories of that happening, yeah. right? So when they're fishing, when, yeah, Peter and and Andrew they're they're fishing mm-hmm. and they catch nothing. Jesus comes along, preaches from their boat, and yeah. then says, yeah, "Hey, yeah, yeah. throw your nets over the side, and, and you'll catch something." And they do, and then he says, "Come follow me, and I'll." and you'll be fishers and men. And I'd always sort of conflated that in my mind with them being called to be one of the 12. Mm. But then later on, a couple of chapters later, we read that Jesus went up a mountainside, he prayed all night, mm. and then he came down and he calls his disciples to him. Mm. And then he designates 12 as the apostles. So the the implication, and, and then the next um, it talks about there being a great crowd of, of disciples so the implication is that actually there's quite a large group of people right who are immediately following who, who are disciples and then out of that group he calls the 12 
And there's something therefore really significant about the twelve. It's not just the mm. random bunch of guys who were following him. But you could say you could, the flashback of the narrative of them being called is because they were significant, um, and he probably called other people similarly. But yeah, we yeah. don't have their exactly. narrative. Yeah. And um, and and we, well, we do have a calling of someone who's not in the lists of the apostles, although later church tradition conflates him with one. So the calling of Nathaniel, who's, mm. who we read about at the beginning of John's gospel, and Jesus sees him under a fig tree yeah. and, and, and calls him, but he's he's not one of the 12, um, unless he's the same person as Bartholomew, who's never mentioned anywhere else. Okay. So it could be, but but there's... But I, I think there's there's a sense that that this group of twelve, Jesus is doing something really significant. Mm. Obviously, the number is important. Twelve is is the tribes of Israel, mm. so it's a sort of re recreating mm. um, Israel. Yeah. Um, not in a way that sort of then um, kind of consigns Israel to the dustbin. Well, that's sure. one of the themes actually we'll come to later in Acts is what is the place of Israel? What is the place of the Jews and the new covenant? And mm. um, it's something Paul talks about a lot in Romans 9 to 11 as well. But there's this sense that the new covenant people yeah. are built on the foundations of the apostles, which we see in Revelation mm. actually as well. And and that is then reinforced here that, that Peter and the others realize that the 12 are so important mm. that, we, we, that we need all 12 of them. Yeah. Um, so they, I mean, I've heard it argued that um, St. Paul is really the chosen 12th. And that, I don't know if I abide by this, I'm just saying it's interesting, that actually they went, the, the disciples went a little bit above their station here by choosing to choose their person because uh, ultimately Christ calls Paul himself and as the others were called directly by jesus so the person who replaces mm. judas needs to be called directly by jesus and that was paul on the road to damascus which I'm, is I'm, interesting it's an it's an interesting thought i've had the thought myself but i'm going to push back on it yeah and i suppose um first of all luke is is very much associated with and connected to paul mm. um and therefore if if that was what Paul thought, if that's what the sort of if if that's what people had come to to think, Luke wouldn't have included this. Luke would have just skipped this bit out, or he'd have put in a comment saying, "Obviously, they got that one wrong, didn't they?" Because Jesus himself would later call um, Paul. Paul. Um, so it does it does raise questions. Then, what does it mean to be an apostle? But I think there are other people in in the New Testament who are described as apostles, including. Um, Paul, but there's others, for instance, in Romans mm. 16, he uh, describes and Andronicus and Junior as mm. apostles. Um, and, you know, apostle simply means sent. one who was sent. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Paul says, I am an apostle. He, mm. He's 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 a witness. And I think that's the, the sort of key thing. He's a witness to the resurrection. He's met Jesus. He's been commissioned. He's been sent by Jesus to, to, mm. to bring things to, to everyone else but he's not one of the 12 and i don't think he is ever described as one of the 12 no and he doesn't just i think he would say the least of the 12 the last of the 12 the he just the says apostles, apostles. Yeah. so i i i'm i'm very much not in that camp but i know that that some people would be and yeah. and i think that the only thing that i sympathize with that argument is that it's scriptural that the people of israel have gone to god going um, you know, when they were taking, when they approached God about going to war, 
they say they ask him questions like will we win this war if we go up and what they should have asked is should do you want us to go up and what they go to god here they go to god in sense going is it matthias or um or bar sabas instead of going do you want us to replace that was the only thing that i sometimes tweak on this when i hear it i'm like they didn't really they didn't stop immediately and say god do you want us to replace him and you could say like maybe peter is being guided prophetically and he you know he quotes well, he's, he's the quoting script, the bible so i'd, I'd, I'd the say that yeah he's he, so you could he, argue that i just that's the only that's the only other pushback <laughs> i would do back but either way it's paul's great we get paul and this guy gets i don't think that the lord is like oh you know anyway so interesting um let's carry on chapter two holy spirit when the day of pentecost came they were all together in one place suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each woman all of them were filled with the holy spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit enabled them now they were staying in jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Now there were staying in Jerusalem. Sorry, I'm like, my tense is all wrong. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, not they were. There were people staying in Jerusalem who were God-fearing Jews from every nation. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one had heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each one of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear the declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Somehow I've made fun of them and said they had too much wine. <laughs> so... Let's go back because obviously it's it's the birth of the church, guys. It's the mm. coming. So Pentecost, first of all, when we talk about Pentecost, obviously now we, we remember the filling of the Holy Spirit. But the celebration, yeah. the feast of Pentecost was a harvest feast where Indeed. the harvest would be taken in and the people would celebrate a harvest. And um, it kind of fits well, doesn't it? Um, anything else to add about that? Feast Pentecost, do you think? No, no, no. I think. Um, I mean, I'm just. I'm itching to dig into to the yeah, of the spirit. Yeah. It's so they just were such beautiful. They moment. were together on the Pentecost feast, so still celebrating in a sense. Mm. Yeah, Jewish feasts. Um, and then I love this fix. The sound of a of a violent wind. Oh, just then the breeze came through. Yeah, yeah. It was lovely. <laughs> you can't see that, but. We're sitting with the windows open and a lovely breeze. So the wind, a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house. I love that, that the house is filled as well. The mm. house is moved and filled. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. Wonder what that looked like. Separating and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, um, I, when I lived in, I was a missionary in, in Tanzania for a few years and um, that's I was ordained deacon in the Diocese of uh, Mount Kilimanjaro when I was 24 and that's really where I found Christ in, in Africa. And the bishop was once preaching a sermon and um, 
we were, you know, very remote area and some Maasai came up to him afterwards and went, it's amazing. I didn't know you spoke Maasai. And he was like, I, I don't speak Maasai. And, uh, and they were getting a translation in Swahili because they didn't speak. And what it turns out like is that as he was preaching in Swahili, they were hearing him in Maasai. I've never heard that before. I, th I thought you were going to say he started praying in tongues. No, no. Because I've, I've, I have he, come across that before when people mm. um, praying in tongues. If, you, if you're not familiar with the idea of praying in tongues, mm. um, well, it's, it's what's described here. It, it, it's Well, they're speaking in tongues and there's uh, praying in tongues, but it, it's speaking a language that, that you don't know mm. supernaturally by the Spirit. Mm. But I don't think I've ever heard So this that. is what happens with these guys. So they're speaking but they're hearing them in their own native language. And that's what happened with Interesting. this bishop. I, so I've always assumed that, that this is is speaking in, that the, the, the Holy Spirit came upon them yeah. and they started praising God yeah. um, in a language that they didn't understand. So mm. rather than that they were speaking, let's say Aramaic mm. and everyone else was hearing different languages. Mm. They were speaking those different languages, mm. but they just didn't understand what they were saying because they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. Mm. But I think it's the other way. So I think they knew what they were saying in their language, but people were hearing them in their own language. But then how do you explain um, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or languages? It's the same word as the Spirit enabled them. The, the text seems to be saying that that they're that they are speaking a different language, not that other people are hearing them in a different language, but they are actually speaking. I don't know. I think, that, I think that's a mirror, right? You're reading it how you want to interpret it there, because speaking in other tongues does does also give the impression that they're speaking in other tongues, as in other tongues are being spoken through their mouth. So when these people were listening to this bishop, yeah. for instance, in this context, he was speaking their tongue. So he was speaking Maasai. Well, no, he was he was speaking English. No, but, to but them, they they heard in in that he was speaking in another tongue. So an outsider would say he was speaking in another tongue. It's how you how you interpret it, surely, right? It's like because he he he, you know what I mean? Like that's what that's what I think the tongues was definitely here because obviously it's the reversal of Babel, right? Where where in this in the story in Genesis where the pride of man led to them building this great tower, then God sends the them in different tongues and people were like you're babbling but yeah. they were like oh wait i understand you let's gather together and mm -hmm. they gathered together with people who understood and then they left and it was a, it was division thing and here um each people heard them in their own tongue so that's a unifying I mean, I I definitely think, and I've and I've heard before, and yeah. and and spoken before on on how I think that that part of what ha happens at Pentecost mm. is a reversal of the sort of the curse of Babel, where mm. people can't understand one another. I'm still going to push back on you, and I'm going to say because I think that what you're describing is mm. what what happened, which I think of the Holy yeah. Spirit was was that God was using what the 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 bishop said. Yeah. Um and was then and, and the bishop was not aware of anything happening no. within him. Yeah. But then by the Holy Spirit, he was making it intelligible to the other people who were listening. But, but both Swahili and Maasai yeah, heard him. Both both Swahili and, and Maasai heard him. But but I suppose what I'm saying is 
here the emphasis is on the disciples being filled with the Holy Spirit. So yeah. it says all of them, the disciples, mm. were filled with the Holy Spirit mm. and they began to speak in other tongues. So I think it's not that they're being heard and understood by people, whatever language they're speaking. I think it's that- <laughs> I still that, think you're interpreting, I still think it's, I think you're, it stands your way, but also stands the other way. I don't think it dismisses that they're spe they are speaking in mm. other tongues. Like he is speaking in other tongues when, when I hear him in Massa, he's, he's speaking that. So it wasn't like he was like, shabalala, blah, 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 and they heard Swahili. He was speaking Swahili clearly to them mm. or, or Maasai to them. So they were speaking in, in other tongues. But anyway, I think it's a, it's a really, it's a small detail that we're going to get caught up in. And I, think I will have to agree. We'll have to agree. Yeah, we'll have to agree to disagree on that one. Yeah. So and it's interesting that um, you're. That you're, so you think, sorry, I, I'm, I want to ask. So you think that they didn't know what they were saying? Yeah. Because so you I think mean, they were just like, blah, 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 blah. And then, yeah. and then someone was going, oh, you're speaking my language. I, mean, I suppose one of the reasons why I think that is because this, this whole thing of speaking mm. in tongues yeah. um, happens again and again in the book of Acts. It happens a, a number of different times. Mm. On at least one occasion, Peter says, oh, that's what happened to us mm. when we were filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm. Um, so this must be the Holy Spirit. They must be being filled with the Spirit like mm. us. Um, and, and I think in those other contexts, there isn't this sense of people understanding them in different languages. Mm. It, it, it's much, I would say, mm. more clear. Mm. But to be fair, I'd always thought this was clear as well. But, <laughs> but, 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 but yeah. I think it is clear that what is happening is that they are speaking in a language that they don't understand. See, I think and I, that's definitely I, yeah, what I agree, Paul then... But I think that's different to what's going on here. Like I can speak in tongues, right? And well, that, that, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Paul talks about praying in tongues. Yeah, yeah. He talks about my personal. mind is unfruitful, but my but my spirit is yeah. is, is is talking to, to the Lord. And um But that's uh, a personal thing, right? Well no, I think I saw So I, you, you you can have the gift of tongues and you can be given a tongue. They're different. So you can you can you can speak in tongues yourself and your personal yeah. prayer, and I'm sure you do that. Many people do, and you can have a tongue for a yeah. a, 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 a situation or a thing, and they're different. I think no, I, so I, I agree. So there's there's um, there's definitely moments. So, so Paul talks about praying in tongues, yeah. which you do on your own yeah. that you shouldn't do in public if people aren't going to understand, mm. and then he he talks about. Um, uh, speaking in tongues where there's going to be an interpretation yes and and someone interprets it mm. but but it it sort of looks and feels the same so again that the person who's speaking it mm. doesn't understand what they're saying and and again i i've had experience of that so yeah. i i do pray in tongues and yeah. the vast majority of the times when i pray in tongues i pray on my own yeah and it's it's about me worshiping god yeah. and speaking to him but there's been times i've just had a real sense that god wanted me to pray out in a group in tongues yeah and in almost all of those cir circumstances there's then been an interpretation somebody else has, yeah. or me actually has had a sense that's yeah. this is what that means yeah. um and i suspect the other times i probably just misheard god and wasn't meant to yeah. pray out in tongues but 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 for me my experience has been the same when i pray in tongues i don't understand what i'm saying mm. when i've spoken out in tongues in public and someone else has had an interpretation yeah i still haven't understood what i'm saying yeah so i i, I and and it seems to be described here in the same way that there doesn't seem to be a a big distinction drawn between what is what is here and what is saying acts chapter 10 really when, so when i the, think they're different 
Okay. So we'll, we'll agree to use it. I think that this is them them not speaking in in a sense the tongue that you're describing in Acts ten, where you mm. speak in a, an angelic language. I think this is they are speaking in different tongues, as in tongues of man, and they are they are the interpretate. They are f- people are understanding them in different mm. languages. They're not speaking a random angelic language, and suddenly the hearer is hearing. I think they are speaking in actual languages. But I mean, I, I mean, so there, there definitely are. I mean, I've come across examples mm. of people who've been praying in tongues. They've been speaking a language they don't understand, and mm. then the person listening to them does understand the language but they're they, speaking. So it's been a human language. Oh right. Okay. So so um, I mean, I remember coming across someone uh, I um uh, did did a, a sort of course years mm. ago with a missionary organisation called YWAM. Yeah. And uh, we did an outreach YWAM, in um, East Timor. Mm. and uh, there was a missionary out there i think she was from i think from memory she was from kenya mm. and one of the ways god had called her to um to to east timor is that she'd been praying in tongues in a meeting one time and somebody came up to her and said you do realize you're praying in tetum don't you yeah, yeah. And she was like to teta what yeah and they're like tetum the language of east timor wow and she felt called amazing so so um yeah i I, th- I think you're right. We're probably going to have to agree to disagree <laughs> on, on what, what's going on. I suppose. I suppose what we do agree on, though, and what is really, really vital, mm. is is that God is at work here, um, and yeah. that they are they are being powerfully, um, mm. and and dramatically and obviously, you know, people people think that they're drunk. Um, this isn't just something that is just internal. This sure. is, you know, there's the sound of the rushing wind. There's the there's the the tongues of fire. They are. This is the fulfilment of what we looked at in, mm. in chapter one. They are being filled with power from on high. Mm. Well, they're being Peter addresses with it. God exactly. So, so let's read what Peter says. Absolutely. Um, Peter addresses the crowd. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, "Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days." God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. But God raised him back from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died, was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised to him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did he see his body decay. 
God has raised Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool under your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accept this message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. Oh, it's wonderful, isn't it? <laughs> as, as a preacher, I, 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 love to, I love to hear this sermon that, that, yeah. that Peter preaches. He's obviously filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm. It's in pan. He's able to explain um, what is going on. Um, mm. um, but, but then it, it sort of just it comes back to jesus at the end like mm. um you know therefore i mean he's he's punchy i mean he's quite like this jesus whom you crucified yeah yeah he's not holding. with the help of wicked men like you <laughs> yeah. know he's not holding back yeah but then then therefore let all israel be assured this god has made this jesus whom you crucified both lord and messiah and and Lord, he's been using the, the the Greek word Lord is used in the the sort of um, Greek translation of the Old Testament mm. to, to translate the the name of God Yahweh, mm. um, and um, he's been very much using it in that way earlier on with the for instance the quotation from Joel which talks about you know the great and glorious day of the Lord and everyone yeah. who calls on the name the Lord will be saved and he's saying now Jesus is this Lord so it's sort of unambiguously placing Jesus front and center uh, and saying you need to you need to follow Jesus you need to repent of rejecting him and be baptized um but then but then there's this this beautiful kind of a flipping it around it's like you know you crucified him you need to repent it, it feels quite sort of heavy and quite harsh mm. but then there's this just beautiful grace at the end which is uh um you know that you will be that that repent and be baptized in the name of jesus for the forgiveness of your sins you will be forgiven and you will you will receive the gift of the holy spirit i know and that is so just a great you know for those of you who have been baptized whether as an adult or a child if you have if you believe in jesus if you have confessed jesus as lord and you've you know doing that you've repented basically i'm sorry and you've been baptized you're promised the holy spirit i love that you know what yeah. i mean like it is a a seal and a sign of the the you know the promise of god is in you repent believe be baptized you will receive the holy spirit yeah and if you if if you're reading this thinking oh, i'm not sure that's my experience just mm. just ask yeah um i mean you can be assured it's not based on your feelings it's based on mm. the promise of god and god's promises don't fail so let me tell you this you got the holy spirit maybe you just need to be more open to the work of the holy spirit and believe in that like i always there's that one of you know there's that thought kind of twist which is like the only thing that separate separates you from 
God is the thought you're separated from God. It's like mm. you are, you are, you are in God. You are made in His image, and as you repent and believe, the Holy Spirit is in you. And um, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I mean, I, I'm gonna push. I'm gonna push, push back, back a little bit back, on yeah. on on the um. The only thing that separates us from God is the thought that we're separated from God. Mm. I mean, I think that. I mean, Peter has been very clear here mm. that you know we can reject God. We mm. can, you know, you crucified him with the with the help of wicked mm. men. Mm. I think what separates us from God is us rejecting God. But then he says, um, "Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved." He quotes Joel. He says here, um, you know. Um, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of the holy uh, for the mm. forgiveness of your sins so that there's a promise here mm. that that if we turn to Christ we will be forgiven mm. um but you're not I mean I don't know pushing back again separated from God is in you know that you are the fact that you have breath in your lungs that you're alive you know the world is held up by God yeah right yeah. and 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 his very he, Jesus is the alpha and the omega the beginning you know all of us are sustained by the love of God. And uh, even, you know, horrible, evil men, um, God is is around them. They are alive. They are, they are rejecting God and they are keeping themselves in sin. Mm. And that's, a, in a sense, yes, there is their pushing back. But I think the point of life is that at any moment you can, re you can turn to God and you can acknowledge that God yeah. is, is, is there and, and receive him. And I think he's always ready at the door it's just we don't oh i i, I, mean? I, I would totally agree with that but mm. i suppose what what i would say is is if you i mean that there, there are there are people who feel like they're separated from god but have mm. given their life to jesus and i would say you are not separated yes. from yes. god yes and then there are other people who you know say oh you know i've never had a quarrel with god mm. you, you know i'm sure he'll think i'm lovely Right. And you're like no. That's a you, that you, you're you, not close. You, you you have you have to to turn to him. Yeah. And I think that's clear here. You know, you need to repent yeah. and be baptized um, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. I would say, yeah. That, that I mean, it that person doesn't know God. Yeah. Even though they're in a sense in his hand in a way. But and I suppose uh, with with being filled with the Holy Spirit, um, I think um, you, you know, I think we are told that if if we if we have put our, our trust in Jesus, if we've mm. been repented and baptized in the name of Jesus, then we are then we are in Christ. And mm. then we we are in relationship with God by his Holy Spirit. But but yet there seems to be mm. something more which comes up again and again in acts of 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 being filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes. yes. Um that's and, the difference. And, yes. Yeah, and I mean, I, I love what what Nikki Gumbel says uh, on Alpha. We we've just coming to the end of an Alpha course. Nikki uh, Gumbel is the um, he's the vicar of HTB, which is uh, the, the the biggest church. He's not in church a vicar England. anymore. No, you're right. He's not. Archie he Cates used to be the vicar, vicar of HTB, and yeah. he's the pioneer of of Alpha. Yeah. And and he he took he talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, yeah. and he uses this beautiful image of it's like an old gas boiler, and. Um, the uh, there's the pilot light yeah. which says i'm on i'm working this is mm. a functioning boiler but then um when there's a need for heat it goes <laughs> and, and he says you know there are christians who are like pilot light christians you know they're they're they're, they're real christians they're they're believers they're mm. they're, they're saved yeah they they've called on the name of the lord we'll, yeah. we'll 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 see them and know them in eternity and and in glory but they've never had the 
yeah. of the Holy Spirit. And we, we do meet at least at one group of them later in, in, in the book yeah. of, of Acts. I think it's Acts 8. Mm. And I, I think I want to say, if you're someone who, who believes in Jesus listening to this, mm. um, if you've called on the name of the Lord, you are saved. Mm. But if you've never had an experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit, yeah. then, then ask God to fill you. Yeah, and well, there let's, is a let's... promise here. And and if you have had an experience of the Holy Spirit, but you've been quite dry for a while, I think mm. sometimes we can just sort of forget about the Holy Spirit, sort of just get on with doing stuff. You, you know, Paul talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, ask afresh now, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. May I encounter you and know your presence powerfully like they did here and like happens again and again in this mm. book of Acts, as we'll see well who sh should we pray well you know if you're listening to this and you're like i know in your kitchen and you're on the way to work or um sitting in your car kind of waiting for this to end before you go into work or whatever you might be doing or a mum with kids in arms or just one of the kids one of the kids <laughs> maybe yeah let's just pray for you to be filled again um let's pray holy spirit Lord, giver of life, we proceed from the Father and the Son, and we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would rest and fill and refill and overflow in the hearts of your children. For those people now listening to my voice saying, yes, Lord, come. Holy Spirit, rest. Holy Spirit, fill. Holy Spirit, cleanse. Holy Spirit, strengthen. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Naliath and Nom, Sheath and I. Naliath and Okumbushe. Moliath and I. I just have a sense that there might be some people listening and you, and you think, well, this this one's not really for me. And uh, it, the, the prophecy that, that Peter said was fulfilled is in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Mm. And the promise of the Holy Spirit, he then says at the end, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are for, far off, all whom the Lord our God will call. And, and that's us. We're the ones who are far off. This promise is for you. So say yes to God and know that you can be, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm. Come Holy Spirit. Mm. Amen. Amen. Bless you, know you're loved. Peace out, y'all. Hope you enjoyed it. And we will continue through the book of Acts. Thank you, David. Thank you.